freedom, man. That's what it's all about. You've got to groove on freedom, like the good book says. listening to what on earth is happening this show will discuss the topics of human consciousness mind control natural law the occult and all issues that affect the freedom of the people of earth what on earth is happening will endeavor to shine light upon the darkness of our world and to offer empowering solutions to the problems we face as humanity approaches its critical moment of choice. And now, here is your host, Mark Passio. Welcome, one and all. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening right here on the Oracle Broadcasting Radio Network. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website is whatonearthishappening.com. The network, of course, oraclebroadcasting.com. Today is Sunday, July 8th, 2012, and boy, do we have a special treat for our listeners For the listeners of What on Earth is Happening here today, we are broadcasting live from the Nikola Tesla Energy Independence Celebrations 2012 right here in the city of Philadelphia. We're live at Ruba Hall, the location of the Tesla Science Conference. This is day two of the conference, and I have a great show planned. We're going to be talking about freedom and independence, specifically energy independence, and the works and the legacy of the great inventor Nikola Tesla, and we have 10 Great guests who participated in the Nikola Tesla Energy Independence Celebrations this year. And I'm going to be bringing uh, a new guest on for every segment of the show. So it is going to be a blockbuster. And we're going to bring speakers on. We're going to bring on inventors. We're going to bring on scientists. We're going to bring on people who simply attended the conference. And they're going to give you uh, you, uh, their take on what is going on here in Philadelphia this weekend. Still have two more days to come as part of this great four-day event. Uh, As I said, we had two days of the science conference tomorrow. Uh, We're going to have lectures and films at the Free Library of Philadelphia. We're going to have a Tesla birthday celebration right in Independence Mall Park uh, at the Independence Visitor Center. That's coming up tomorrow night, Monday evening, from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. That's a free event. Anyone in the Philadelphia area is welcome to come on out and join us to celebrate Tesla's birthday. Tesla was born on midnight between July 9th and 10th, 1856. He is one of the greatest inventors who ever lived, certainly the greatest inventor of the 20th century. He brought us the modern world through the implementation of alternating current electricity. And um, we are going to just uh, continue the celebrations and celebrate Tesla's legacy uh, throughout the weekend. So... 
Coming up in the next segment, I'm going to be speaking with uh, one of the speakers for the Tesla Science Conference, a gentleman by the name of Russell Anderson. You're not going to want to miss that because Russell is involved with electrogravitics. That's right, anti-gravity. And he has actually done deep experiments with anti-gravity and has functional anti-gravity demonstrations, which he has demonstrated repeatedly here as part of the Tesla Science Conference uh, events in the past and this year. So stay with us, everyone. Don't go anywhere. It's going to be a great show. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. We are live from the Nikola Tesla Energy Independence Celebrations 2012 in Philadelphia. We'll be right back. back everyone this is what on earth is happening i'm your host mark passio we're live from the tesla science conference here in philadelphia and i have my first very special guest mr russell anderson russell anderson works with electrogravitics he is the president of the company applied electrogravitics and he works with searle technologies incorporated russell gave a talk here on day two of the tesla science conference entitled John Searle, Gravity Control Methods. Russell Anderson, welcome to What on Earth is Happening. Oh, thank you, Mark. It's great to be here. It's a great, great conference. Anyway, um, I work with electrogravitics. It's always been a big interest of mine, huge interest of mine, of uh, anti-gravity propulsion and space propulsion in general. But I realized way, way back in the 1970s that we would never get far in space if we defended on, depended on chemical propulsion or even uh, nuclear propulsion, it was just too darn slow, plus all the problems with chemical propulsion. Once you run out of reaction mass propellant, you're out of luck. But with electrogravitics and anti-gravity propulsion, you have all the power available in our universe to go anywhere you want to go. You'll never run out of fuel. It's, uh, it's just a better way to get from point A to B, plus you're not limited by any speed. You can go any speed you want, and because of the nature of the propulsion system, you can go way, way faster than the speed of light. And in 1994, Miguel Alcubierre came out with his warp bubble calculations to support that, and already it had been theorized in the 1950s and 60s, and even before that, that speeds uh, in excess of light speed or superluminal speeds were possible. So it's very exciting, and it's, the technology is finally, finally coming into its own, and I'm just so uh, excited and proud to be uh, part of that. Russell, thanks so much. As a scientist and inventor, can you tell the audience uh, a little bit about um, who your heroes were in these fields, and um, can you also uh, share with them a little bit about the talk that you gave at the uh, day two of the science conference and what that was all about? Yeah, sure, Mark. Uh, growing up, my heroes were probably, of course, Albert Einstein. And a lot of people probably are not aware, most of the people in the audience are probably not aware that uh, Einstein was really one of the fathers of gravitic propulsion. He 
came up with the unified field theory, but also relativity shows that since uh, energy and mass are equivalent, really a source of gravitation is a high localized concentration of mass, but since energy and mass are equivalent, a source of gravitation is also a high localized concentration of energy. And we can use electromagnetic energy for that, or pure electrostatics, and uh, it's, it's just fascinating. And also, Einstein did complete his unified field theory, and published it in Annalender Physik, it's a Prussian science journal, and that was January 10th of 1929, and it was published two days later in uh, the New York Times. It's uh, called Zur Einheit-Lichtenfeld Theory, or the Unified Field Theory for Gravitation and Electricity. And it just confirms a lot of speculations and theories that gravitation and electricity are basically allied and uh, are reciprocal and interchangeable and can be used for propulsion and a passive defense. And I guess my heroes growing up were, of course, Albert Einstein, Nikola Tesla, of course. Uh, oh, my gosh. Later on, Thomas Townsend Brown, the American father of anti-gravity. Uh, Werner von Braun, of course, uh, American father, well, German father of ballistic rocketry. Robert Goddard, American father of liquid-fueled rocketry and guidance systems. Uh, oh, my gosh. Um, Carl Sagan, probably. A uh, lot of people. Um, too numerous to name. Can you uh, tell the listening audience a little bit about what the talk that you gave today was about? Yeah, the talk that I gave today was on the work of Professor John Searle, John Roy Robert Searle of England, and he's one of the few people in this world to have built anti-gravity or artificial gravity flying disks of various sizes, uh, and they were based on his generator, which uh, refused to stay earthbound back when he was a young boy. He had two repeating dreams, and by the time he was 14 and working at uh, an electronics and magnet uh, factory, he decided to... Uh, interpret those dreams and they turn into a generator of unique geometry that uh, ran on its own past a certain threshold speed and the generator when it got very cold didn't want to stay earthbound in other words the earth repelled it with irresistible force and that resulted in both a domestic generator called the uh, domestic Searle effect generator or domestic SEG and the levity disk which now we call the inverse Searle inverse gravity vehicle and about 42 of those were built from 3 feet to 41 feet in diameter. Some of them were not radio controlled. Most of them were on very powerful 12-meter band ham radio. Fantastic. Can you tell the listening audience a little bit about what you do as uh, a part of Applied Electrogravitics? And can you also uh, let them know a little bit about your demonstrations of anti-gravity that you provide uh, in the form of uh, the, uh, the demo craft that you operate known as beam ships? Oh, yes. Um, well, I've been researching uh, electrogravitics and anti-gravity really since college in 1982. And I was determined to do this. I just, I've been a Star Trek fan all my life and big fan of space and getting us into space and getting us into space cleanly and cheaply, which you really cannot do with uh, reaction mass rockets. Uh, basically, I started studying what was called the Beefield Brown effect, which was discovered, discovered by Thomas Townsend Brown, American scientist, when he was 17 back in 1927, wherein uh, high voltages 
in a capacitor configuration cause movement. And of course, uh, when the movement is enough, it will easily overcome the Earth's gravitational field because gravity is the weakest force in the universe, weakest force in physics. So artificial gravitation produced electrically can easily overcome gravity. And uh, back in 1990, I built my first uh, T. Townsend Brown uh, flying saucers based on his patent. It's patent number 2949550 called the Electrokinetic Apparatus. And its most basic form is just two typical flying saucers with a forward electrode of either wire or copper tubing. And I uh, started experimenting with those in high voltages and really got them to work really well by 1999 with uh, some homemade apparatus that generated high voltages. And uh, we have those on YouTube. Just anybody can go to YouTube and type in T.T. Brown Electrokinetic Apparatus. And you can see me in Nevada flying these discs around the Maypole. And about a year or two after that, I started flying, I guess it was about a year and a half after that, I started flying uh, beam ships, which were based on T. Townsend Brown's patent also. But I built them with, instead of heavy sheet metal and copper tubing and perspex insulators, I built them with just balsa wood insulators, a balsa frame, and foil so that I could uh, fly them at a safe voltage. In other words, they wouldn't be lethal. So uh, they're lightweight, so I can use a, uh, a light voltage uh, and not uh, have any problems with injuries. And uh, at the Flight Electric Riddicks, we sell those and demo them. Russell, absolutely fascinating. Thanks so much for being my guest in this first segment. We're broadcasting live from the Tesla Science Conference here in Philadelphia. Stay with us, everyone. Many more guests to come. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on Oracle Broadcasting. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. We are taking a break today from our regularly scheduled deprogramming to bring you some great guests live from the Nikola Tesla Energy Independence Celebrations for 2012 right here in Philadelphia. I have two guests for this segment. Both conference attendees, Rebecca Higgins, who is a mixed media visionary artist, and graduate nurse Kevin Stanley. I'm going to go to Rebecca Higgins first. Rebecca, I'd like to ask you what uh, got you interested in Tesla and his technologies. Uh, I'd also like to ask how you heard about the conference and what you think of the festivities so far. Well, we only have a short time, so I'll do my best. But um, about 23 years ago, I came across the work of Robert Becker uh, in the Body Electric and uh, Promise of Electromedicine, which I think is very interesting that uh, Kevin and I were just talking about the health um, benefits of, of some of this research. And, um, and through that and through a long process, I've always been interested in, in energy work and consciousness as my work. And I think that... Um, you know, Nick asked me to speak tonight, I think, as a 
kind of another voice, not a not a science or engineering voice, um, in in coming to an interest in Tesla's work. And I was very interested in his his. Um, I I think that you know scientists and and engineers and artists are very similar in the sense that we we go to associative thinking in terms of problem solving and invention. And I think we have a lot uh, to give each other. And, and I think, you know, in, in finding Tesla's work, I was just so fascinated by this guy. Why don't we know anything? I mean, this is like, you know, 17 years ago. And I can't remember if I found a book and then found him on the Internet or if I found him on the Internet and then found the books. Or, but I just remember just researching him and researching him. And why doesn't anybody know about this person? And, um, and I was also very interested in mind tech at that point. So light and sound systems and things like alpha stim, uh, CES, cranial electrical stimulation, neurofeedback systems, things that help creativity, that help heal, that expand consciousness. And um, I think like many artists, we set, out, uh, we set out with this ideal to learn everything, to know everything. It's impossible, but that's what we want. And, uh, and I think that this, this kind of a conference just really appeals to me. I really, really, uh, though I am a lay person in terms of the science and the math, a lot of it's over my head. I think that the concepts are very profound, and I think that the the way that um, the way that his work can can change our imagination and how we think about things and free up our our resources so that people can focus on things like art and creativity and invention and improvement. Um, so it's been really wonderful uh, experience for me so far to be here. That is really great. Glad to hear that. And that is what this is all about. It's about bridging science and spirituality. It's about combining that logical left brain linear approach uh, that uh, helps us to interact with the physical world with the creative, imaginative, and intuitive right brain uh, that is the spiritual aspect of ourselves and bringing those together and bridging that seeming divide. Uh, that's what really makes us truly whole, holistic beings. So uh, let's go to Kevin. Kevin, uh, you uh, work directly in the health field. Uh, I would like to know how you got involved with um, researching Tesla and his work and uh, maybe uh, your, some of your thoughts about how some of Tesla technologies can be used in the field of health. Well, when I was 9 or 10 years old, I used to play a computer game called Command and Conquer. And one of the weapons that... Uh, the player would build to defend the base was a Tesla coil and another was the death ray to basically defend your army and kill your enemies and also make enemies. <laughs> so uh, this is sort of how I indirectly became introduced to Tesla and over the years I became more interested in free energy technologies because I became more environmentally conscious now, as a graduate nurse, regarding the health of the public and the environment, we are shamefully still dependent on oil and environmentally destructive combustible fuels. It was Nikola Tesla's dream to create a world where free energy technologies would be readily available to the masses. However, our profit-based monetary system has suppressed and still prevents this from happening to this day. Uh, free energy technology and non-polluting technologies have been around for quite some time and are still being developed today. But, shamefully, oil and 
coal and the major electric companies dominate the system, which prevents us from putting these into action because they're not economically viable. Um, so in a health perspective, when I look at this possibility of having a future without pollution, a future without environmental destruction, I see it as the ideal world that not only we as a species would want, but as our energetic messiah, Tesla, uh, gave us the vision to create. And conferences like the one I'm at now, the Nikola Tesla Energy Independence Conference, are uh, one of the beautiful things that helps put this out public in, along in, in addition with the internet, which is where I found out about it um, because when I became extremely interested in uh, things like the Venus Project, the Zeitgeist Movement, I definitely uh, found the Nikola Tesla Energy Independence Conference and any other group that was associated with it and uh, wrapped my mind around everything I could. And I'd encourage everybody uh, who's interested in, you know, uh, helping the world and uh, uh, preserving the future of not only our species but the rest of the species on this planet, I'd encourage everybody to do as much research as they can via the internet. And that's what I got. Thanks so much, Kevin. Very profound. And, uh, I mean, that just sums it all up. As, as I've said a million times and probably will say a million more before it's all said and done, you have to understand, ladies and gentlemen, that the control of energy is the control of human beings. If we're really going to be free, if we're really going to live free, we have to generate clean and sustainable energy in a form that nature really provides all around us to tap into that, those natural systems, not polluting uh, systems that destroy and denigrate the, the environment that uh, we need to live, but to, as Tesla uh, said, harness the wheel work of nature and work in harmony with it. So, uh, Kevin, you did a great job in summing that up. Uh, I had the pleasure of talking to both of you guys a little bit uh, before um, uh, earlier today, and uh, hopefully you guys will stay involved in, uh, with the Tesla uh, Club and the Tesla Science Foundation as members and uh, continue to be involved in uh, bringing Nikola Tesla's uh, work and legacy to other people through communication and, and the arts. So uh, I'll turn it back over to you guys and any uh, last words you'd like to say to the audience? Um, I'd just like to thank you for, for doing the interview and uh, bringing this out here. And um, I think that, you know, just to key in on, on what Kevin said earlier, I think it's very important um, in some of the speakers here that people understand that this technology exists now that it's not, it's not future pie in the sky, that it's existed for a long time, that it exists now, and that it really can be directly applied. And um, we just kind of keep working to make people aware of that. Inform yourself. You know, look on the internet for the information. It's all out there. We have to do it ourselves, folks. No one's going to hand it to us. The answer is saying no to the corrupt system the corrupt energy paradigm that's out there and building a new one stay with us everyone more great guests to come you're listening to what on earth is happening here on the oracle broadcasting network
Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on the Oracle Broadcasting Network. I'm your host, Mark Passio, coming to you live today from the Nikola Tesla Energy Independence Celebrations 2012 right here in the city of Philadelphia. We're live at Ruba Hall, and my special guest for this segment is Harry Ong. Harry is a, uh, has a background in electrical engineering, and he is, uh, was one of the speakers at the uh, Tesla Science Conference. I believe you spoke yesterday. Is that correct? Yesterday and today. today. You spoke both days. Okay, great. So, Harry, I'm going to bring you on to tell the listening audience how you became interested in Nikola Tesla and his work and his technology and a little bit about what your talks were about here at the Tesla Science Conference. Thank you, Mark. I enjoy your show. And um, as an engineer, I am trained in in math, in science, and at my work about, uh, say, 2008 or so, I was looking for something uh, outside of the box. I was hoping to look, look for new information that would help me in my career, in my job. To, I always think about, let's say, if, if I'm real, working on two dimensions, then I want to go to three dimensions so I get a new perspective so I can get something new and make a contribution. Right. Then I found um, Nikola Tesla. And fakely, I can remember, oh... Um, about AC, he, he, he did something about AC, but that's all that I, I, I can, his name doesn't really uh, ring a bell, but I do know about a little bit of memory that he, he has some contribution on AC. And that's about it. And then I look into his articles, his writings and all that, and I knew about more about his stuff. And um, I, from, from a background that I can understand his stuff, it's, it, he presented in, in some simple way but it's hard to believe in the, in the first place because from, coming from an electrical background, he was describing electricity with uh, fluid mechanics. So it doesn't sound right. And, but his explanation is simple. So I tried a few things of, of his. And uh, one thing that I did is the pancake coil that he, he, he has a lot in his patent. And I tried it. And something remarkable that I have not seen before. It's, there's, I can light up wirelessly uh, some, some light bulb that I couldn't do with any conventional way with high voltage uh, that I, I can handle. But with his stuff, um, it's marvelous. So I know that something is there. Uh, so I start digging it uh, more and more into his article writing. And I can tell you that he has a lot of articles and writing. So to follow his work is not easy, even for me. So I would recommend uh, other people who, who has di- di- uh, diligently follow his work. And one of the person that I would highly recommend is a person called Eric Dolan, D-O-L-L-A-R-D. He did marvelous work and he follows from, from teenage year to... I believe he is probably 60 years, uh, uh, 60-something years old now. So he has, he has very good uh, understanding of, of uh, Tesla's work. So it's Eric Dolan, D-O-L-L-A-R-D. And um, so as, uh, I also have a, um, a little bit of a biomedical background. So I know about Tesla's X-rays and all that. And I remember since childhood, 
I know that for my parents, I come from Asia, and, and uh, for my parents, they always think, oh, medical doctor, do be a doctor. But I know that myself, I have a science background, math, and uh, I'm not that good in, in biology and all that. But I, deep, deep down within myself, I, I have a, uh, I felt a connection with people and when people have pain and sickness. And I remember my mother died when I was 10 years old. So I always wanted, um, felt a connection and a compassion. So I felt that Tesla also has a, com so in a sense that I can feel his feeling that he has compassion on people about generation, uh, next generation, about a future and all that. So it seems like a lot of stuff come back for me that uh, I have for a while, I have been like um, just getting a um, like nine to five job, getting uh, daily work and getting uh, money for the family and supporting the ch child education and all that. So dream doesn't dreams for me seems to die down a little bit. But now with Tesla stuff, it all seems to come come back. I remember when the internet first um, arrived in maybe uh, late 90s. I was looking at like uh, e Egypt, um, Stonehenge, and all these ancient stuff, and I was wondering. Where 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 do you, where do these people get their wisdom and and all that and and I'm wondering where where does Tesla get his wisdom and he he was describing that he has vision in his in his in his mind that he can see his invention and then when he work it out it's perfect it's just like he had in his dream and and in in his vision so uh, I believe that um, and okay and also say my mother died when I was ten and then recently. My stepmother died from cancer, and also my wife's mother, my mother-in-law, died from cancer, and my sister's mother-in-law died from cancer. So it seems like, yeah, I I wanted to do like biomedical and uh, helping in in health in in a little bit of that, but um, so I get a little bit delusionalized, and but I. I'm now getting starting to see that we are actually creating a reality from ourselves. Whatever you believe, if you believe that it's, uh, the world is bad, then you lose hope and then the, the world will become bad. And if you, but if, so it's important to have dreams and important to have hope to, to do something. And I believe, especially with Tesla stuff, we need a lot of scientists who can understand his stuff and work on it and show other people that it really makes sense. Otherwise, Tesla would have the impression in, in people's mind, oh, this is a mad scientist. When he gets to old age, he only have pigeon with his, as, as his friend, and he was talking about death rates, so he must be crazy. But I can assure you uh, that uh, Tesla, uh, after I look into his stuff, all the, other, all the stuff that I can understand is relevant, and it worked out, and everything that I tried, it, it's just as what he said. Even so, one of the very, very thing is uh, wireless uh, power transmission. He has been saying that it's through the earth, so that's something that I couldn't understand in the beginning. The earth, how can the earth be conductive? But a little bit slowly, I can start to understand a little bit, like lightning and thunder, uh, creating some rhythm and uh, and vibration on the earth. So if lightning and thunder can do that. What about if we impulse the Earth, just like Tesla said, and the Earth can actually resonate, and then 
we can actually um, transmit energy through the earth as a ground. Would, would that be uh, similar to the concept of actually using the earth as a single wire so that energy would be able to be transmitted anywhere on its surface? Correct. I believe that, that that's what it is. And for as an engineer, as, um, as scientists, we learn that uh, we need to we need ground, and the best ground we have is water pipe and and all that to have a good ground. But why we don't really know. We, the best we can say, well, there's a lot of electrons in the in in ground. So that uh, uh, and in Tesla stuff, he was um, in the radio station. He was saying um, putting it in ground. If you, if you don't do even today, our radio station have a solid ground, strong ground. Otherwise, it doesn't go too far. So the ground is very important. So the ground, there's something about the ground, which it, the earth is by itself. So if we can, as Tesla said, if we can make the ground as a connector, then we can transmit energy through everywhere. And I know that this, this sounds strange, how can the earth be uh, a conductor? But if the thunder and lightning can make it, uh, make a standing wave out of the earth, maybe we can, we can create standing wave of the earth through electric impulse, then that's how energy is being transmitted wirelessly through the earth. Very interesting. Harry, we're so lucky to have you as part of the uh, Tesla Science Foundation and in the Tesla uh, uh, Science Conference for this year. Uh, can you tell us what you think the future of, uh, is going to uh, hold for humanity when it comes to Tesla's uh, wireless technologies in general? I believe if we can uh, have more scientists and work um, and uh, knowledgeable people to lead the way of science, leading the culture, because in a way science is leading the civilization and culture. So <clears throat> currently it's not sustainable, it's uh, destructive. But if scientists can have a um, sustainable mentality and create energy, um, free energy, make use of these uh, free energy concepts, that we can actually of energy is like air is free, then competition becomes minimum. Then we can work peacefully um, nation-wise and, and people-wise. Harry, thanks so much for your valuable insights. A pleasure to have you on What on Earth is Happening. Tesla said it himself, ladies and gentlemen, science is but a perversion of itself unless it has as its ultimate goal the betterment of humanity. This man wanted to give us a gift we rejected it back then when he first offered it, but we still have the opportunity to bring Tesla's vision for a brighter human future to fruition for us all. Stay with us, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on the Oracle Broadcasting Radio Network. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on Oracle Broadcasting. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website is whatonearthishappening.com. We have another great guest from the Nikola Tesla Energy Independence Celebrations 2012 in this segment. Uh, welcome to the show, Michael R. Manning. Michael is a research physicist from Temple University School of Biomedical Physics. Michael has uh, given a talk here at 
this year's Tesla Science Conference, and I believe your talk was on cancer research. Is that correct, Michael, in, in relation to Tesla's technologies? Yes. Uh, specifically, uh, I became involved in a uh, project that I initiated at uh, Temple University. Uh, we were in the School of Biomedical Physics and the School of Medicine, and uh, what we did specifically was we... Uh, placed a malignant melanoma tumor on the uh, surface of a, a mouse while injecting into the mouse a uh, series of cells of the uh, mesothelioma type, the type that actually anchor in the lungs and cause lung cancer. And we found specifically that uh, we could generate an autoimmune response in the mouse that would kill the lung cancer cells remotely by slowly irradiating with uh, uh, millimeter wave radiation the, mal the malignant melanoma on the surface of the mouse and doing it in a fashion at which we were able to decompose the tumor cells in the melanoma very slowly through a process called apoptosis, which took about 48 hours per cell. And if done just right, we found that the contents of the cell and the components of the membrane would be uh, allowed to go into the uh, circulatory system of the mouse. They'd be picked up by what are called teacher or progenitor uh, lymphocytes, which are cells that carry these uh, tumor fragments to other uh, immune system cells, which are called the warrior cells. The warrior cells, in turn, then had a uh, chem electrochemical, or I should say, a biochemical message uh, implanted in them by the teacher cells, uh, which allowed them to recognize tumor material as being foreign. They then circulated through the uh, lymphatic and blood systems to the lungs and attacked the uh, mesothelioma cells in the lungs and, and killed them so that the mice could survive. And we must have run about 50 to 100 mice this way. And then we pr uh, presented this information to the National Institute of Health in the form of a, a project proposal. But uh, they didn't believe that what we had worked. Uh, Autoimmune immunization against cancer tumors wasn't popular at the time and not well known by the reviewers in NIH. So we never received funding. So the project more or less withered on the vine before we could uh, perform human tests. Michael, I recall as I sat in your um, presentation yesterday that uh, you had some information regarding Royal Raymond Reif, uh, the great uh, optics engineer and uh, uh, doctor, uh, I believe, who lived uh, in the early part of the 20th century and who really came up with uh, a cure for cancer, which was subsequently suppressed. Can you tell us how uh, Royal Reif's work may overlap with some of the type of research that you're involved with? Well, what Royal Raymond Reif did was develop a technology for exactly uh, defining and uh, measuring the correct frequencies that cause resonances in cell membranes. So for a specific cell type, like for instance a cancer tumor cell type, you would expect since the cell is bloated, 
that is larger than the cells around it. And since the membrane is already stretched out very thin, that its natural resonant frequency would be different from that of normal cells. He, using his very fancy microscope, was able to identify these specific frequencies at which cell membranes of the cancer tumor cells could resonate. And once they resonated, they burst and destroyed the cells. And uh, this technology was never accepted. People didn't believe that it worked. And uh, so we're not using it today, unfortunately. And th this technology, correct me if I'm wrong, but it left uh, surrounding tissue completely unharmed, completely different than the types of uh, destructive so-called treatments like uh, uh, radiation and chemo. Okay, uh, uh, to reiterate, uh, essentially the Royal Rife technology was very selective since the uh, cancer tumor cells had distended membranes which were a lot thinner and a lot bigger in diameter than normal cells. Uh, it could, they could be uh, literally uh, pinned down with the correct waveforms and caused to uh, self-destruct while normal cells around them would not. Now this is a technology that existed in the 20s but which hasn't been followed up, and I certainly believe it should be in uh, the uh, current uh, scientific environment. Excellent. I wholeheartedly concur. Royal Raymond Reif is someone that uh, is arguably even more marginalized than Nikola Tesla, and his uh, work and research really needs to be studied and brought into the light of day. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how you think that uh, some of Tesla's most advanced uh, uh, wireless or resonant technologies uh, may have been uh, perverted and weaponized and uh, are being used today in the world? I know that that is one of your interests. Well, certainly I've been involved in the environment of weapons development for SETI, uh, which was a subsidiary of aircraft armaments uh, International down in Cockeysville, Maryland. And while we didn't specifically look at the Tesla devices, I believe that Tesla had something that was very interesting. Uh, he specifically noted that uh, with tubes like the Crookes tube, that particles would come out of the end of the tube accelerated by the high EMF that he placed across the anode and cathode of these tubes, and he could actually feel them hit his arm or his hand and cause stinging sensations. So he believed that if uh, the uh, particles were accelerated to higher velocities and the uh, bulges were amplified, that he could create a very strong death ray using this uh, correlated particle generator. And indeed, under the Ronald Reagan administration, this was one of the four avenues of research for advanced Star Wars type uh, defensive technology. Absolutely fascinating. Michael, uh, again, we're, we're very privileged to have you as part of the Tesla Science Foundation and the Tesla Science Conference for 2012. Any final words uh, to the audience about uh, the experience that you've had here as part of this year's conference? Well, it's been uh, very interesting. I've learned a lot about technologies that I haven't been directly exposed to. And I highly advise that anybody that's interested in the things that are going on in science that are uh, 
at the forefront of scientific research and development, join us in the Tesla Society and indeed come to our meetings and come to our conferences in uh, uh, July. Michael, thanks so much again uh, for being a great guest here in this segment of What on Earth is Happening. And ladies and gentlemen, stay with us. I'm going to take the first segment on the other side of the break, but after that, we're going to be bringing on the president of the Tesla Science Foundation, Mr. Nicola Lonchar. You won't want to miss that. Stay with us, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on the Oracle Broadcasting Radio Network. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. You're on Oracle Broadcasting. I apologize for the little technical glitch that we had in the last segment. It looks like we're back up and broadcasting fine. We have a lot of great guests coming up in the second hour. We're going to be talking to the president of the Tesla Science Foundation, Nicola Lonchar. We're going to be talking to the master of ceremonies from the Tesla Science Conference, Michael Riversong. We have uh, Joe Sikorsky, who was involved in a film about Tesla, and I'm going to be speaking to local Tesla enthusiast, activist, and member of the Tesla uh, Nikola Tesla Club here in Philadelphia, Dave Imendorfer, to round out the show. That's coming up in the second hour of What on Earth is Happening. Before I bring Nick up in the next segment, I just want to uh, go over a few things and just tell people there's more events to come as part of the uh, Tesla Energy Independence celebrations for this year. We have uh, events through uh, tomorrow and through Tuesday. So I, I'm just going to bring up the program and uh, tell people a little bit about the events still to come for uh, this weekend's uh, Energy Independence celebrations, for this week's Energy Independence celebrations. On Monday, July 9th, from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m., we're going to have films and presentations on Nikola Tesla and his technologies at the Free Library of Philadelphia main branch in the auditorium room. That's the downstairs auditorium at the main branch of the Philadelphia Library. That's at 1901 Vine Street. Okay, come on out to that. It's free to attend. Then, when we wrap up there at 9, we'll be heading over to Independence Visitor Center you know, the, the birthplace of this country, which was all about freedom and independence. At least it was supposed to be about that, but our energy paradigm is, is nothing uh, in, like free or independent. It's completely dependent and controlled, and we need to break this immoral, unsustainable energy paradigm, and we need to build a new one that is free and independent. So come on out and join us to celebrate that spirit of independence as part of the Tesla night birthday party. Tesla was born on midnight between July 9th and 10th, so that's when we'll be celebrating his birthday and commemorating his memory and legacy. This is uh, at Independence Visitor Center on the lawn outside the Visitor Center at 5th and Market Streets, 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. 
and this is also free to attend. So anyone in the Philly area, please come on out and join the celebrations. We'll be firing off Tesla coils at midnight to celebrate his birthday. There'll be some uh, live music, and uh, we'll have some guests from the Tesla Science Foundation say a few words as well. On Tuesday, July 10th, we will be uh, having some more films and presentations on Tesla at the Free Library main branch, but we will be in the Skyline room on the fourth floor on Tuesday. This will be uh, six hours of um, information from 3 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Tuesday, July 10th to round out the Tesla energy independence celebrations for this year. So come on out and join us if you're in the Philadelphia area. We'd, be lo we'd love to have you, and all the events I just mentioned are free to attend. Okay, so the last thing I want to say in this segment is whether we already know about Tesla or not, whether you're new to this information or whether you've been a Tesla enthusiast for years, the object of all of this is getting involved. It's taking action. That's what this is about. It isn't, you know, to, as I've said an innumerable number of times throughout my shows, to know is one thing, and that's the beginning of the journey. But it doesn't stop there. That's, that's only the very beginning of the process. You have to, once you know, you have to then activate that knowledge and apply it and put it into the world for a good purpose. Taking action is what it's ultimately all about. So, you know, conferences like this, they don't just put themselves on. They're, they're a product of teamwork, hard work, and dedication. And it's a product of willpower, of actually getting it done. So come on and get involved with the free energy movement. If you know that this is the right thing to do, step up and get involved and do it. We'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen, with the president of the Tesla Science Foundation, Nicola Lonchar. Stay with us. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on the Oracle Broadcasting Network. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. We're broadcasting live from the Tesla Science Conference as part of the Nikola Tesla Energy Independence Celebrations for 2012 here in the city of Philadelphia. It's our pleasure to have as my guest for this hour, for, uh, for this segment, in the in the second hour, the president of the Tesla Science Foundation, Mr. Nicola Launchar. Nick, welcome to What on Earth is Happening. And uh, why don't you tell the listening audience a little bit about how the Tesla Energy Independence celebrations are going so far this year, and a little bit about um, uh, you know uh, what has already taken place here this year as part of the celebrations. Uh, thank you for having me, Mark. Um, uh, so far, second day, it's pretty good, and uh, we have. Uh, uh, local speakers mostly. Our uh, funding this year was a little tighter than previous years, uh, but uh, still we have a really good group of the people where they give really good lectures. Um, also, you mentioned earlier, we have tomorrow and after tomorrow free uh, lectures in Philadelphia Free Library and celebration of Tesla birthday in, uh, tomorrow night in the park, as every year we have. Uh, so I'm really happy so far. Great. Nick, why don't you tell uh, the listening audience a little bit about your background and how you became interested in Nikola Tesla. I'm sure they'd be v uh, very glad to hear that. 
Uh, I'm Serb from Croatia and named Nikola. <laughs> so <laughs> that yeah, that's that, that's how I maybe that's how they start. Yeah. But as long as I remember, probably when I was five years, six years old, I hear a lot of different stories about Tesla. And actually, my parents uh, are from area from Lika. Um, mostly populations is Serbs and. Uh, they they have all these stories about all these uh, uh, people, but especially about Tesla. And as a young boy, I remember people have Mick Jagger or Rolling Stones or uh, Beatles on the wall posters, and I always have Tesla. Tesla was my hero. And later I started uh, study electricity, and that's either bring me a little bit closer to all these uh, things with Tesla, and that's that's how they started. Yeah. Nick, I met you about four years at a, a great place called Germ Books. We no longer have a, a resource like that here in the city of Philadelphia, but uh, there was a, uh, a meetup there. Uh, I, I found the, the Tesla Club through meetup.com, and uh, uh, it was a very uh, basic information on Tesla and his work. I believe uh, they filmed a, screen, uh, a film screening there, and that's where we met. Uh, Barb and I came into Germ that day, four years ago, and um, saw the enthusiasm that you and uh, a couple of other uh, initial members had for Tesla. Can you tell us uh, how you got the idea of forming a club dedicated to Nikola Tesla and uh, how that uh, went in the early uh, years of the, the formation of the te Tesla club? And then tell us a little bit how that grew into the Tesla Science Foundation. Well, first, Mark, it's, uh, I think is. Uh, God uh, did is they bring you in our group because you really bring a lot in our group and it's just uh, unbelievable way how we met somewhere in neighborhood when I was not either driving there before and William called me to show me what they have about Tesla and you guys come there and that's how all things started really without any plans with you. Um, originally we started the uh, Nikola Tesla Inventors Club in 2004 in Serbian Church in Philadelphia, but there was not many inventors. Mostly people when they come inside in our uh, meetings, they don't want to discuss inventions, they want to uh, discuss uh, life of Nikola Tesla and uh, they actually, you guys build whole movement of the Tesla and uh, uh, and also what happened is uh, mostly our, our members are young Americans, they're not Serbs, so we just decide to move in around and give different lectures and you give a lot of these lectures, we're showing Tesla coils and everything. So um, actually we have an uh, organization called Tesla Science Foundation, which is a registered non-profit organization government and but we really, I really feel we are more Tesla club than Science Foundation. Um, the really majority of the people are for spirit and art. And either people would uh, got the best recognitions for this year for Tesla work there and last year also they are mostly artists. Right. So uh, really science and art merge there and it's a really beautiful way how these people did this. So um, the Tesla Science Foundation do some experiments and we do have a little laboratory in Serbia. Uh, we do work with some scientists locally here with some projects, but our funds are very limited. Uh, so I don't know what we're gonna, how far we're gonna go with that. 
Uh, but we're going to try to get the facilities here in Philadelphia. Actually, we're trying this for the last few years. And it doesn't go easy, but hopefully we're going to get also here something. Can you tell the audience a little bit about how they could become a member of the uh, Nikola Tesla Club and Tesla Science Foundation and about some of the activities that take place uh, throughout the year here in the city of Philadelphia? Oh, I think you can tell them this because they're going to understand you very easiest. <laughs> if they go on meetup.com uh, slash ntesla38 and they sign, their membership is free. And our meetings are all open for public. And it's all free. Uh, we have once per month. Um, we have meetings in Philadelphia Library. In September, we're going to participate in Pennsylvania Green Festival. In April, we was in the Philadelphia Science Festival. So, working sometimes with the Franklin Institute and other things. So, if you are a member, you're going to see a lot of good, cool things. Uh, doesn't cost you anything. Try. Okay. Not only will you see a lot of really cool things, but you'll meet a lot of really cool people who are working to make the world a better place. The Nikola Tesla Inventors Club, the Nikola Tesla Club, and the Tesla Science Foundation form the biggest Tesla enthusiast group in the world, ladies and gentlemen. You could be a part of that. It's free. All you have to do is have the desire and want to invest a little bit of your time to come and get involved. Uh, a lot of great people here working to make this event great. A lot of people working to make the world a better place, as I've said. So come on out and get involved. That's the main thing to keep in mind. Uh, you know, it, it, this organization is full of people who actually care, who actually want to do something, who want to contribute their time, who want to contribute their talent and their knowledge, again, to improving our collective situation and making the world a better place for, for us and for our future generations. So, Nick, thanks so much for being a great guest this segment. Your final thoughts? Uh, thank you for having me. And uh, what I would really love to see from our organization, uh, I don't think they're going to happen in my lifetime, but uh, people are going to extend this and fight for free energy and free communications. Until that time, our planet will not really be what Tesla was dreaming for. Thank you very much. That's right. Nick, thanks so much for being a great guest in this segment. Stay with us, everyone. We're going to be talking to the master of ceremonies for the uh, celebrations this year, Mr. Michael Riversong, in the next segment. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on the Oracle Broadcasting Radio Network. Stay with us. We'll be right back. back everyone this is what on earth is happening i'm your host mark passio my website what on earth is happening.com in this segment we're bringing on the master of ceremonies for the nikola tesla energy independence celebrations 2012 mr michael riversong and as we've been talking to you about this science this uh, science conference is really about more than science it's about the merger of science and spirituality it's about the merger of the uh, logical left brain with the creative and intuitive right brain and the arts and music plays a big role in that merger in that uh, coming together 
So Michael is an accomplished musician, and we're going to attempt to share uh, some of his music uh, with you. Michael play is an accomplished harp player, and he's going to perform a piece for us live on the air. Let's see how this goes, and then we'll talk to Michael a little bit more after his performance. So here we go. Michael Riversong. Phenomenal, Michael, and I know you've been itching to do that all weekend, haven't you? <laughs> well, it's nice to let it out. Uh, one of the things I've been doing with this conference and with the other conferences that I work with has been, and this goes all the way back to 1984, it's how, it's how I got into all this, is provide some in incidental background music. Background music is highly underrated in our culture right now, but the idea of having someone live who's responding to the moment and putting together music according to ancient scientific principles is something that really helps advance science. There was a time way back in ancient Greece when the philosophers and scientists, they took it for granted. Music was always there. There's always some bard sitting around off in the corner playing a harp or maybe singing a soft melody or something like that. This is something that we can bring back into our culture now and I believe helps, and I really hope that by the time I'm through with all this stuff I'm doing on this planet, that it will become customary to include such music in science conferences. Part of that involves people knowing how the music works. And we are going to face, in the future, of course we're looking at maybe the whole biosphere of the Earth will collapse, maybe we'll go into a dark ages for a while. I live for the possibility that we will have a future and we will have a society that begins to really come together and begins to be the kind of paradise all of us long for. And when that happens, being optimistic, when that happens, it will be said that the same principles behind the way we generate our energy, the way we get our free energy, are exactly music theory. Very interesting and very powerful. I mean, after all, it's really all about resonance and frequency, is it not? Absolutely. Tesla understood that. For those of you who are musically inclined, you look at Tesla's power generation system, the AC system that we all know and love right now. It's called three-phase. Well, if you take that three-phase and you look at it musically, you have something very basic. The triad. The three-phase AC system is a musical chord, and it's running through all of our civilization right now. Also, number theory plays into there as well, because three is a sacred number that is found in every ancient tradition of consciousness throughout the world. Absolutely. You find this happening all over the place. Musicians tend to do it instinctively. Most musicians, when they really get a chance, when they find a decent teacher, they tend to be pretty good at math. Pythagoras recognized that. He was the guy who put together our entire musical system that we use 
worldwide now, but was the hallmark of Western culture for a long time and made it different from other cultures. It's a simple system. It, it has seven components, seven modes. And in that system, you find an infinity of ways to help people. And of course, that's what it's really got to be about. If the music gets people better in some way or another, either spiritually or physically or both, then it's legitimate. Otherwise, some of the music we hear these days actually is deliberately designed to weaken people. And that kind of music, of course, we could say we're fighting. Well, we fight it just by playing our music and having events like this where music, like what I'm doing, is welcome. And one of the things I loved about this particular conference was we had Mono Divina involved. Uh, what an incredible musician. Uh, was that incredible last night? I mean, that was just a spectacular performance on the theremin and his classical string ensemble. They were just phenomenal. And I believe he helped me physically because I slept better last night. And that was a very, very difficult night here in Philadelphia. We had a certain type of electromagnetic field passing through the town. Right. Uh, there was lightning to the west of town and yet no rain. That really creates serious tension in people. But I believe everybody who heard that music last night, that tension was blunted, it was modified, and they were not as bad off as, I think, somebody who didn't have a chance to hear such music at that time. I, I absolutely agree. Uh, Michael, uh, you're a great uh, organizer. You were very instrumental in helping to organize this conference. We couldn't have done it without you. Uh, you're good at collecting, amassing, and organizing information, as am I. We share that in common. Uh, and you're involved with a lot of uh, organization uh, efforts at, in other conferences as well related to uh, Tesla and occulted um, uh, scientific technologies that have not yet seen the light of day uh, to help uh, humanity uh, and to bring us into a, uh, a better uh, condition as, as a species. Can you speak to uh, uh, the dynamic of helping to organize something like this on what would be con considered a shoestring budget and how it really doesn't necessarily have to uh, involve uh, tremendous amounts of, of monetary wealth to put something together that's really worthwhile? Some of it is really all about connections with people because people are ultimately the important thing, so to speak. But it also has to do with um, just getting out there and saying, well, you got to do something. If you sit back and turn on the TV and blank out your mind, well, that doesn't really help. But if you just get out, and I'm, I'm in a unique position in life, I was able to take the time, and I could have sat there watching TV like everybody else, and decided, nah, it's more fun to do this. And that's a lot of it. And you also have to make it fun, and you have to learn how to enjoy the ride. I've been working on a series of conferences that started in 1984 with the old International Tesla Society. It's now morphed into Tesla Tech and the Extraordinary Technology Conference. That's coming up in Albuquerque of July 26th through the 29th. So it's right around the corner. And that conference is huge and the Philadelphia conference could be that huge at some point, too. And it's not just me, because there's so many people who worked on it. Part of it is, okay, I had an intention that linked with a lot of other intentions. And so many people did so many things. And sometimes people thought they did something. Oh, man, that was nothing. Well, your nothing might have been the one key that made it happen. We can't even tell a lot of times. And so that's a lot of what it's about, too. Individuals doing things just because... They're in the spirit to do that, and they're motivated to make things spiritually better somehow. 
And that's what makes a conference come together. I'm, I'm thankful I was able to have the role I did. It was uh, really a lot of fun for most of it, a few tense moments, but then you're going to have that in anything. And I'm thankful for the role I played down in uh, Albuquerque as well. That's an excellent conference, and I get a chance to do some serious documentation of new technologies, and that's something that helps a lot too. Michael, thanks so much. Very inspiring words. Ladies and gentlemen, remember the word conference itself. You look up the etymology of it. It means coming together. That's what the word actually means, to bring people together, and that's what it's ultimately all about. Michael Riversong, Master of Ceremonies for this year's Nikola Tesla Energy Independence Celebrations for 2012 here in Philadelphia. Thanks so much for being a part of the show. Stay with us, everyone. We'll be right back on What on Earth is Happening here on Oracle Broadcasting. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on the Oracle Broadcasting Radio Network. Today, we are taking a break from our regularly scheduled deprogramming to bring you uh, a whole lot of great guests live from the Nikola Tesla Energy Independence Celebrations for this year. So, I have two special guests for this segment, Mr. Joe Sikorsky and Victor Elefante. They're from Long Island, New York. They are filmmakers. They put together a film called Fragments from Olympus, a true life mystery thriller about Nikola Tesla. Welcome to the show, Joe and Victor, and I'm going to turn the floor over to you guys to tell us all about your great film. Thanks, Mark. How are you doing today? It's a pleasure to have you guys here today. Well, thank you. The pleasure's ours. Um, we're going to tell you a little bit about Fragments from Olympus. Fragments from Olympus is a true-life mystery thriller. We're not a biopic, which makes it very, very appealing to the masses. What we're trying to do with our movie is kind of bring Tesla to the forefront through the vehicle of movies. Um, we are from Long Island. We are, th with the movie uh, Fragments from Olympus, we are trying to help save Tesla's last laboratory, Wardenclyffe. Wardenclyffe is in uh, danger of being sold at this point, and uh, with our unique budget strategy, we're trying to help the organization uh, get the funding to save Wardenclyffe, to make it a science museum and, uh, and a place where scientists can come and, and learn about Tesla and possibly replicate his work. So uh, that's what we are doing here today, and we were honored to come, and, and we were happy to be here, and uh, we had a fun time today. It was really good. We learned a lot today. It was nice. Great. Joe? Oh, thanks for having us, Mark. Uh, yeah, we actually have a unique budget uh, proposal. We're actually including the price of saving Warningcliffe in the actual film budget. So uh, we're pitching that uh, here today. And uh, we're telling people about our project. Um, like Vic said, it is a uh, true life mystery thriller. We're going to try to bring Tesla into the popular culture. Because even with all the great documentaries, the great books, uh, all the great works on Nikola Tesla, he's still relatively unknown uh, in this country. And we want to really uh, help correct history and, uh, most importantly, uh, continue his research. I think saving Wardenclyffe is one of the most noble efforts out there. Uh, this should be a national historic site as far as I'm concerned. It's unbelievable that it's not. Uh, who's behind the effort of uh, really uh, trying to, you know, 
uh, bulldoze that place or to turn it into something completely different instead of saving uh, Tesla's uh, work and legacy that he conducted there, even though it remained unfinished. Again, some of the most advanced uh, research and science that has ever been done uh, possibly was conducted at that location. So tell us a little bit about who's behind trying to shut that down. Well, the trouble is, uh, you know, it was owned by, uh, Ag it's still owned by Agfa Corporation, and there was a cleanup that had to be done on the property because there was some chemical contamination. Ironically, this saved the property for many, many years, but the cleanup has been changed, uh, has been finished, and now the zoning has been changed, and that's the big uh, difference in the equation. And now uh, businesses, people that want to put up condos, they're starting to pop up now that the new zoning is available. And uh, because most people in our area never heard of Nikola Tesla. They don't know the value of Wardenclyffe. So, uh, you know, there's really a sense of urgency in uh, in finding the the funding and, and getting this this saved. Or, or just if uh, you can go to TeslaScienceCenter.org and donate directly to uh, the Wardenclyffe organization, the Tesla Science Museum, run by Jane Alcorn. So um, how can uh, uh, so Jane Alcorn? Uh, that's the Tesla Science Center at Wardenclyffe at Shoreham, Long Island. Yes. Okay, that's how people can get involved by contacting Jane Alcorn in the effort to save Wardenclyffe. I think it's definitely a noble effort, and more people need to get involved in it if we're going to make that happen. So, um, would you like to tell people a little bit about more about the film and like you know what goes on in it or what the basic plot is? Sure. Um, what we're doing now at this point in time is we're uh, gathering our team. Um, we have a lot of great people that are coming on board. Um, we have Leo Rossi, who was in Analyze This. He uh, started in our teaser. Um, we just, uh, and he's also from Philadelphia originally, which is a wonderful thing. Um, we also, uh, Sean Young has joined our staff. Oh, she's joined on with us. And she's great. yeah, she's a great actress and she's passionate about Tesla. And, uh, when we first met her and uh, we sat down and talked with her, the first thing she said is, boy, is that Tesla really got her? He got a raw deal. We have to do something about right, that. Right. And then... She, uh, she's, she's quite a conscious woman. Yeah, she, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it was something she that she... Very... She has an unbelievable knowledge about Tesla. I was very impressed by her knowledge about Tesla. Awesome. Yeah, and when she, she, she puts it up and then she's going to do it, and, you know, and she's wonderful that she's even with us. We were very honored to have her. Great. And then we have Howard Smith. Howard Smith... Uh, is uh, DP, uh, and he uh, is going to be behind the cameras for us, and he's a steady cam operator, and uh, you might not know his name, but you know the films he's done. He's done The Matrix and Harry Potter, and uh, he's worked with all the luminaries from Wu to um, Clint Eastwood, I mean, Stanley Kubrick, I mean, the, the lot, you know, and uh, Sylvester Stallone, he did uh, Rocky Balboa, the last movie with him, and uh, what's that? Yeah, another, another Philly connection. Um, also, he is an inventor. Uh, Howard's an incredible inventor, and uh, he's from England, and he knew all about Tesla. And um, we were uh, we were thrilled when he, you know, we we made contact with him, and he showed interest, and uh, and he uh, we went to visit him up in Hartford, where his uh, his his laboratory is, if you will, where he works. And uh, when he opened up the doors, he said, "Keys to the kingdom, kids. Whatever we need to use, we could use to make this film and make it happen." And um, we are also, I mean, I, I said it maybe 10,000 times, but we are thrilled to have him on board also. These are people of like-mindedness, as, as you, I've heard some of your people that you had on just before us. Right. Uh, we're all of like mind. We all have a, a single goal in mind. 
and Tesla, I, they put money aside. They put money aside. And we're doing what we're doing is we're trying to save a piece of history. Right. We're trying to get Wardenclyffe back on the map. We're trying to rectify the, the history books, give Tesla the due credit that he so rightly deserves. Um, and we're doing and continue his research. Absolutely, Joe. As Joe said, we want to continue his research. Um, you know, there might be a kid today that if we're capable of getting and helping Jane save Wardenclyffe with all of us, with all of our help, you know, everybody out there that's listening to us, um, if you want to help us, the greatest way to catch us is you can catch us on Facebook, Fragments from Olympus, www.fragmentsfromolympus.com. Um, and you can learn all about our project and see what's going on from day-to-day -day operations and who we bring onto the project. But word of mouth, if we all work together and we all row the boat in the same direction, there's a very good possibility that we could save this. And there could be a child out there somewhere that's into science somewhere down the road will go to that museum and actually put it together and bring us to a whole new place that the seeds that Tesla sowed will come to fruition. Right. It'll be the harvest time, as we like to call it. That's great. That's, that's also extremely inspiring, and I whole, wholeheartedly concur. Uh, I'd like to get your guys' take on uh, just the, the general dynamic of, of uh, telling a story through film, uh, through this medium. You know, this is one of the most important ways that we can actually reach out to people to change minds and to help them to understand really what has gone on behind the scenes when it comes to uh, alternative energy. Uh, as film uh, makers, you are doing your part to do just that. You know, uh, history uh, breaks down to his story, and that's not our story. If we're going to tell our story, we need to become storytellers. We need to become creative individuals who activate the imagination uh, and put that into a an art form and uh, do that to basically uh, help to elevate people to a new level of understanding. Can you speak to uh, film's uh, role in that and, and your take on that uh, as filmmakers? Firstly, I just want to say well said, very well said. Um, well, that's why we want to make, we want to try to bring Tesla into the popular culture and that's what cinema we believe is, uh, is very good for doing and that's why we're taking more of, a, of an approach instead of doing a, a strict biopic we're doing a, uh, a mystery, true life mystery thriller. So what, what it's going to be is there is a thread of the story uh, with the FBI investigation looking into Tesla's uh, death ray research, which was written from uh, obtaining over 200 pages of FBI documents uh, recently declassified from the Freedom of Information Act. And that's the thread of telling the story and Tesla's story unfolds through that. So we kind of think it's like a backdoor way to kind of inspire an interest in science for people more sci-fi oriented they'll watch the death ray story that narrative and they'll learn about tesla's life and hopefully that'll open up uh you know new uh, possibilities and new uh, uh you know new enjoyment and appreciation for science we have a term that we use on on the fragments team um and the term is instead of calling it science fiction we call it science fact because this is true. The stuff that we're telling is 100% true. We have the documents to substantiate what we're telling. So this is better than any fiction story you could possibly sit there and imagine or make up. We're telling an, a story of an incredible life that's gone virtually unrecognized by people in our country. Um, we have people from all over Europe um, that constantly contact us via the internet and email. And they're, 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 you know, cheering us on. Please make this movie. This is such an important cause, you know. And we're just the 
our little piece of the puzzle. We're just a little bit there. And uh, we are just in love with coming here today and talking to all these great minds and being able to be there. Not us, the people. The Oracle Broadcasting Radio. You can't stop an idea whose time has come, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on Oracle Broadcasting. This is the final segment for this edition. Boy, did the time fly because we had some great guests here coming to you live from the Nikola Tesla Energy Independence Celebrations 2012. Thanks to Joe Sikorsky and Victor Elefante from the last segment. This segment, I am bringing on a special guest, Dave Immendorfer. Dave is involved with the River City to Hydrogen Project. He is going to talk about uh, that uh, project here in Philadelphia with us and how it is going. And um, uh, welcome to the show, Dave Immendorfer. Hey, Mark. It's a pleasure to be here. And it's, it's been an amazing day today at the, uh, the Tesla Science Independence Celebrations. Um, Yes, yeah, so anyways, Jasper, Joan, uh, Jasper Jones, um, today he was one of the speakers, and basically we went over the River City to Hydrogen project. This is a project that he's been working on um, since 2007. He's delivered this to city council and other city politicians here in Philadelphia, and um, he recently became a board member of the Tesla Science Foundation um, and basically, uh, since me and him have met, the first time he did a um, presentation in our foundation, um, I got intimately involved in this project with him. And we've now took um, new strategies as to implementing it. Like, basically, um, I configured a new campaign outline um, for disclosing this information to the public. I've configured it um, with him and Lisa Hastings, um, she also spoke tonight too. Um, she's an environmental scientist um, from Arizona, Tucson, and um, she's been in the environmental industry, like um, environmental science for over a decade. And you know, she's, been, she's seen the, the effects of fracking and that's the great thing about River City to Hydrogen. Basically to go over it, it's a solution to all our fossil fuel problems, um, which includes um, petroleum, natural gas, coal, and even nuclear. And um, basically uh, we simply need to just configure our existing natural gas utility system here in Philadelphia and um, our water system, PGW, merge them together and use Tesla's resonance technology on water and, um, and then use our natural gas pipelines over here that, that's been in existence since the 70s and there we go. We have a whole system, a way of distributing hydrogen energy in a very cheap costly effect. There's, a, there's quite a process to this and there's a lot of reasons why it's very cheap and man manageable um, and yeah, I'll, I'll be going over it as we go through the interview but um, yeah, it's been, it's been amazing and um, 
Yeah, it's just exciting. Like, I really, I'm blown, blown away at the fact that now Tesla's energy is, you know, coming to life now, like, on a massive regional scale. Like, we can actually do this. I sat in on Jasper's lecture earlier, and it was uh, incredibly informative. Uh, and you're saying this will basically reduce the environmental impact by uh, ha being able to do away with uh, the destructive influence of fracking uh, and uh the impact that that takes upon the earth and, and uh, all of those completely uh, polluting technologies will not really be required to bring energy to this entire regional area if this system is is fully implemented. Is that correct? Absolutely. Like our our needs for natural gas, all fossil fuels in general, will be nullified. Um, the way that Pennsylvania, the way that we here in Philadelphia have been getting our natural gas has been through fracking, which is the dying last attempts of the fossil fuel industry to get um, fossil fuels. And um, what it is, is it's a process of drilling through um, deep layers, like miles down deep, um, geological layers and formation, where we're actually, we're cutting past natural auto, um, water aquifers, right. and that's how we get our water in Pennsylvania. That's how we get our water here in Philadelphia and over eight communities in PA around these fracking sites. So, so all their water is poisoned. So fracking is completely polluting to the existing water table that we're all using. Yeah, our water and also the atmosphere, there's carbon emissions, there's radiation that comes out. And uh, Lisa Hastings, she's had um, a lot of inside information about the effects of fracking. Like, um, a lot of people don't know, like even the, the um, fracking activists that have been doing their work here in the city for years, um, there's not really that much information going about the fact that they're destroying, they've destroyed like a third of the, the, the forests. Um, they've been destroying all, all the forests around um, the fracking sites, but a third of um, Pennsylvania's forests have been bought by these oil companies and, you know, they're destroying them. And that's a huge part. Like, and actually Arizona... Um, they used to have um, like a lot of forestry um, when U U.S. Uh, colonialism spread towards that area and it stopped because of um, the cutting down of the forests. Like, like it was eliminated. So like it, you know, cutting down all these trees, it, it creates deserts. And we know this, we know this um, from South America, um, you know, from the rainforests. Um, like these rainforests where they're all cut down, they're becoming deserts. And can you guys imagine a desert here in PA? Because like that is a reality if we don't stop fracking. But basically, um, you know, going a little bit more into the uh, the technology, um, it uses this um, this metal called chem alloy, which was discovered in the 1950s, and it has a unique molecular structure that naturally emanates the resonant frequency of water and divides it into oxygen and hydrogen. And um, by sending a, a low frequency current, a low, I'm sorry, a low watt current through um, this, this alloy, we can easily configure this and bring it to a much larger scale, to the scale of our water system, and then transfer link the hydrogen that's produced um, over into our natural gas line because one of the biggest controversial issues concerning um, 
hydrogen energy is how to transport it. And we can use natural gas pipelines to do that. As I understand it, according to the way Jasper explained that earlier, this system also produces very little to zero waste product. That's correct. Actually, it produces no waste product um, because the waste product of hydrogen energy is oxygen and water vapor. Cool. It's at, yes, yeah, the, yeah, the outputs. And um, it's, that actually repairs our, our environment. It adds oxidization to it. And water vapor, like it, it continues the whole water cycle. And actually, like, um, the system um, can use the uh, water vapor output and bring it back into the system. So that, that means that water will be continuously used within it, and we won't be disrupting the ecology. Phenomenal. Dave, can you tell people how they can get involved with the River City to Hydrogen project here in Philadelphia? Yeah, they can, they can contact us at the, uh, the Tesla Science Foundation on our website, teslascience.net. And um, yeah, like, as I said, like, um, the campaign is being configured. Um, like, we have our strategy set up. And basically, like, there's certain things that we need, need right now, um, resources, but it will be going public soon, and uh, I've been working with different people. Like, um, and I'm, I'm going to be working with Penn Environment very soon to deliver this to them. So they'll be a partner, hopefully, soon. Fantastic, Dave. Thanks so much for being a guest for this closing segment of this edition of What on Earth is Happening. It was a pleasure to have you on. To wrap up the show, I just want to uh, say thank you to Ruba Club Studios for hosting the Tesla Science Conference. You can check them out on their Facebook page at Ruba Club Studios. Studios, uh, and you can uh, also, um, I believe they have a, a website. If you Google Ruba Club Studios, you can find their website. So that's really all the time we have for for this edition of What on Earth is Happening live from the Tesla Energy Independence Celebrations for 2012 here in the city of Philadelphia. Thank you to all of our wonderful guests. And remember, ladies and gentlemen, there are only two mistakes that you can ever make on the path to truth not starting and not going all the way. We'll see you here next week on What on Earth is Happening.